the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? If you're drowning and I throw you a life jacket, would you grab it? Yes, good. Pick up 200 shares. I won't let you down. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Ask them how they'd like to see 30, 40% returns. What are they going to say? No? I don't want to see those returns? Where's the money, Lebowski? You're going to make a lot of money, right? Be aggressive. Learn how to push. Show them a 3% return. I'll trust you to watch his kids for the weekend. I'm a big fan of money. Move around. Motion creates emotion. I did not know this. That's it. I'm done. Hello, welcome back to Saxon Jacks. I'm Tim Howell. Andrew on the board. SP Futures up 25. Nasdaq Futures up 183. We obviously, the market loves the, whatever the hell the, the uh, Federal Reserve guy said yesterday, the biggest bunch of mumbo jumbo I've ever heard. Anyway, do we have Mr. Lou? Hey, good morning. How are you? I'm, uh, I'm doing okay. Um, we're watching. I want to, I want to jump because we've got a late start. I want to, yeah. I want to jump right to the Hunter Biden thing and just talk to you briefly about what is yeah what is that with him. what is all that about good lord it it from an attorney standpoint it, it it's amazing and it it's a classic it, it's almost a classic example of a client who is so dirty and is so um, corrupt and and has has left such a trail of damage behind him that everybody else around him is is getting is getting pulled into the into the black hole with him. It, it's sort of what Trump does from an ethical perspective, but what's happening with Biden is is with Hunter Biden is more of a, of a kind of illegal conduct kind of thing. So he goes into court yesterday with the Department of Justice and his own counsel. And remember, the DOJ is supposed to be on the opposite side of the legal fence from Biden's own attorneys. They're not supposed to be working in concert. They're actually supposed to be going in opposite directions. The DOJ is supposed to be you know, working to put enforce the law so that the defendant, in this case Biden, is you know, is, is appropriately punished in the interest of justice in the United States. But people and do Biden, talk. But they do talk. But they do talk. I mean, when you get to this, they, they, no, they, yeah. they do. I, I, this, this, is, this happens. It has to happen. But the interests of the two parties are supposed to be different, opposed. That that conflict between the two parties is what is what works out a compromise that is just and so they go in yesterday. And, and Biden pleads is going to plead guilty to misdemeanor tax evasion. What, is, what does that even mean? Was, pardon me? What does that even mean? Well, it, it, it means that he didn't just not pay taxes willfully. He mis, mischaracterized. For example, he tried to get college tuition that he was paying on, on somebody He's trying to get that college tuition written off as a business expense. He's trying to get the costs of his visits to strip clubs written off as business expenses. It, it's a whole host of, of, and he doesn't even report millions of dollars in income. I mean, the, the tax penalty for him was, I think, over a million bucks. That was paid by some mysterious friend who, who surfaced, and, and it was actually in the courtroom yesterday but who surfaced to pay off all of his tax liabilities. The 
DOJ comes in and says, okay, he's going to plead guilty to these two, these two misdemeanor tax uh, evasion accounts or, or accounts, and then he's going to plead, tentatively plead guilty to a felony gun charge, which, which relates to him falsifying the application to get a handgun. And then, and then getting the handgun, um, and, and and being in illegal possession of it. Okay. So, this is a sweetheart deal. Number one, there there are literally dozens, if if not hundreds, of let us say less well connected. All right. What, so, what is the what is jail for what he did? All right. What's the what's the gun the gun charge? I mean, he. Uh, when you go get a FOID card, what, I mean, or FOID card, what, what do you have to say to get a? Uh, I'm not saying a legal carry card. You fill but out. You fill out. You have to fill out a background check form. Okay. To to get to get a uh, authorization to buy a handgun in the United States. Okay. And and so it typically there's a there, there may be a waiting period associated with it. Usually they actually they're they're actually pretty fast on this. But he filled out this form, and on this form. You have to certify. There's a bunch of stuff you have to certify. You have to certify that you're not crazy. You have to certify that you're you're not under any kind of domestic protection order. But you also have to certify that you are not currently addicted to or habitually using narcotics, Schedule One controlled substances, etc. What, what do you mean by what do you mean by the obvious? All right. What do you mean by currently? No, he's he's never been convicted of a drug charge. It doesn't matter. Okay. Right. I mean that that's irrelevant. That's not. It doesn't say I've never been convicted. Right, but I'm saying I'm not it, currently using. I, I know, I, I, but these these forms, I, I fill these out all the time for regulatory people. Uh, how do you, how do you certify that you're not crazy? <laughs> well, I know, I know. I mean, it's it's, and and, but this is this is another example of why I think our nobody's really serious about gun control. If you were serious about gun control efforts. You'd enforce all of this stuff. Anyway. All right. So what is what does currently mean? What does currently mean? If you haven't you haven't done any coke in the last week, does that mean you're okay? I mean, I mean, it 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 means that you are not somebody who is consistently using drugs during this time frame. But you get to define it yourself. There's no list there. I mean, this means if you've taken a narcotic or a cocaine in the last month, this means you. There's nothing like that. And well, the, let, let me put it let me put it this way, Chief. I'm not defending the guy. If you're using cocaine consistently over this period, whether it's once a day, once a week, once a month, you're technically in violation of that provision. Okay, by your by your and my. By the way, I'm agreeing with you on this. I'm just I'm just no, I know. I'm just it's trying not, to. It's not it's not a question of when was the last time you used it. It's or did you use it before you got the gun? But I mean, if did if you use it, if you and I were going to say. Um, are you currently a user? We would say this means in the last month or something. I mean, right? I mean, it, otherwise, I, I would. I would say. I would say you were using drug. You've used drugs within the last month, and you continue to use drugs. Okay. You know, after uh, you get the gun. But I mean, there should be some explanation. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trying to beat up on this. But what I'm saying is, we both know that if the person who <clears throat> writes up the uh, laws for who can have a gun, if you've got four felonies and the IQ of one. Of, of 15, it's going to come out five felonies in the IQ of 12, right? It's gonna, nobody's going to draw the line above themselves. I, I understand. So let's let's just note for the record that there was no question about Mr. Biden 
using drugs during this period. Okay. And we and we know that. You know why? Because we have time stamped entries on his laptop computer showing him with, with you know, prostitutes using crack cocaine and waving the gun around. <laughs> that's uh that's interesting, yeah. Yeah. So so there's no I mean, there, there's no no question. He was in violation of that provision. Okay. But, uh, there's there's proof there's proof beyond a reasonable doubt that he was in violation. And of course he he hasn't turned in the gun or anything. He still got it. No. He his girlfriend, the the widow of his brother, whom he was having a relationship with at the time, um became terrified at the fact that she was actually trusting her daughter with this guy in the you know, in terms of sort of custodial care, that he had the gun and he was using drugs at the time. So she took it away from him and dropped it into the trash can outside of school. You gotta be kidding me. I'm not kidding you. It's all on the record. Where do we find these people? Where, where do we get well, these people? Well, this is, this is, Chief, this is, again, this is the, the, the Hunter Biden effect. People, people within his ambit. So anyway, he, he pleads, he's going to plead guilty to this felony gun charge, but he's put into a diversion program. And the diversion program, the, this aspect of the paperwork that they put in front of the judge yesterday is separate and apart from the tax evasion plea. And, and he's going to plead it into, to this felony. And if he keeps his nose clean for two years, he's, he's, the, the felony charge disappears. Now, this is highly unusual for, for something like this, but, you know, Joe, this is, a, this is what you would expect of a privileged guy. And remember, this is not Hunter Biden's first bite at the drug use and, and getting caught using drugs apple. I uh, happen to know somebody who was a clerk out there years and years ago, and he was a loser on drugs back then. So, because... because I, if you remember, Hunter was actually commissioned, or going to get a commission in the U.S. Naval Reserve, and and in his initial intake to the Navy Reserve of his physical, he tested positive for drugs. <laughs> and, so, and so they did, they they you know they kicked him out. But we're not talking about marijuana in the last thirty days in a legal state. We're talking about something else. I I don't I don't know. Uh, oh well, no, it wasn't a legal state in two thousand whatever, right. two thousand ten, eleven. But I mean, you can if 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 you uh, snag a hair from somebody, you can tell if they're in marijuana years ago, right, or months um, ago. Well, I think it's within a couple of months. Okay, but but no, this was not this. And, and, and you know, he's coming into the navy. He flunks the drug test. They they kick his they kick his rear end out. So this is not his first bite at the at the drug apple. Goes into this program, so they put this paperwork in front of the judge, and the judge says, "Okay, let me look at this." And she reads, and what she sees is, this is not just, and, and this language that they put, they put this in the diversion program language. So, so the diversion program typically is an arrangement where they say, "Okay, I agree to stay off drugs. I agree not to do anything stupid. I agree not to commit any other crimes for two years, and this all gets wiped out." Blah blah blah. Okay, and then. The guilty plea stuff is, is, is typically separate paperwork, and 
typically contains I'm pleading guilty to a misdemeanor and if there's a deal that they're cutting they put that deal part in the paperwork with relation to the things you're pleading guilty to so I'm pleading guilty in exchange for information I've provided to whoever or whatever so the judge is looking at the paperwork and she realizes that in the diversion program language is a grant of immunity that is written so broadly that if she signs it, it it puts Hunter Biden beyond the reach of law enforcement authorities and any other congressional investigation authorities that happen to be going on. You mean anything else that she doesn't even know about that's happening somewhere else? Exactly. Well, how, how do you? Have, she can't. She, she can't do that. She asked. She asked the FBI. Wait a minute. This is pretty broad here. Are there investigations going on with Mr. Biden that are not completed? And the FBI agent who now realizes he's been caught, or the Department of Justice attorney, realizes he's been caught, says, yes, there are. And she goes, she says something to the effect that I'm paraphrasing, obviously, now. How can you have him immunized on things that are not even fully investigated? The government doesn't even know what, <clears throat> what you're immunizing him for because these investigations aren't closed. Then she says, would this include his failure to register as a foreign agent? Because she's no dummy. And the FBI says, well, or the DOJ attorney goes, well, yes, it would. At which point, Biden's lawyer stands up and says, wait a minute. <clears throat> if, he's, if he's not immunized for all of that, then this deal is off. you got to be kidding and me. No, this happens in court. And so and so the judge goes, you guys go sort it out. But I'm not signing this in its current form. Get me something that get me something that, that doesn't include this. So here's what happened, Chief. The the Department of Justice lawyers and, and Hunter's legal team and one of his lawyers, I've met him personally, they are these guys are no dummies. And the DOJ attorneys are not stupid. They have they know both parties knew exactly what was being done there and they were counting on the judge just sort of rubber stamping this and not really reading it carefully now she she's what she's a uh um is she a would she be a cook county judge a federal judge what is no, she federal district federal district uh district court judge because it's a federal these are federal charges okay so she's in washington new york no delaware okay so um, she, this this hits the fan, and and but the idea I mean the the Biden lawyers and the Department of Justice lawyers were effectively colluding. I mean, this is what it looks like. They were effectively colluding to mislead the judge as to what was happening with this case to protect Hunter. That that's incredible. I'm sure, I, I, right, but so, that, so that's so that's one. Here's the latest one, another one that just surfaced. So Hunter Biden's got an art gallery or, or is selling paintings in an art gallery in New York, right? And because it's so obvious that this is a, a blatant attempt to set up some kind of influence peddling mechanism, the arrangements, when, when he sets this up and says, I'm gonna be selling these paintings, this is a guy with no art experience whatsoever. 
right? All right. So wait a minute. How, did, how does a how does how does me selling art get me influence? I'd just be the world's worst art salesman. Uh, no, 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 no. Because if you want to donate to Hunter Biden's cause, this is an easy way to do it. You're not giving Hunter Biden money for access to his old band. You're, you're, you're paying buying one of his paintings. You're paying a thousand bucks for a twenty dollar painting. Well, it's more like five hundred thousand dollars. Okay. For a painting by an unknown artist. So, so this gets set up, and everybody goes, "This is ridiculous," and and so the Biden people go, "Look." This is legit. He will not know. Hunter will not know who buys his paintings. That's how we're going to get around the obvious influence peddling mechanism here, so that so that we don't, you know, we don't have a situation where somebody buys one of Hunter's paintings, and the next thing you know, they're being given some lush appointment to some, you know, international committee that's going to pay for their travel around the world to go look at artwork. You know, there, there are committees like that in the government, and the president makes these appointments. So, so this is a quick, easy way to avoid the influence, or a, a quote way to avoid the influence peddling issue. When, when they say he's not going to know who it is, okay. So it turns out he sold 1.3 million or so of art out of this gallery. And guess what, chief? He knows who the buyers are. And one of the does anybody does anybody know what the the cost of sales was? I, I don't know what the cost of sales. You mean the commission? I don't know. No, I'm saying what he sold 1.3 million dollars worth of stuff. Did the stuff cost him 1.2 million dollars or 50 cents? Uh, well, we don't know, but we would presume that it would be whatever his cost of painting materials are, and you know, framing it in the commission. You mean so? I don't know what I don't know what the money coming back to him was, but let's just say. No, no, I'm saying. Let, let's if, just assume. All right, if you and I, Biden is not going to do this for a pittance. I know, but if you and I sell a painting for thousand dollars somewhere, someplace, the the store has to have bought the painting from somebody unless I painted it, which I <laughs> you don't want me painting. He is painting it. You're kidding. No, no, no. <laughs> this is, I, I, I'm just telling you. He's painting this stuff. I can't even imagine this. It's up to the south side. He is painting this stuff, putting it up in the art gallery. It's being sold for between three hundred and five hundred thousand a pop. It, it, he finds he's not supposed to know who the donor, who the buyers are. He does know who the buyers are. Well, you know, and you're lo and behold, one of the buyers who, who I think bought one or more of the paintings for like five hundred thousand. Guess what? She gets awarded a. Presidential appointment on on this commission that is this very very uh, special um, you know lots of lots of notoriety kind of kind of arrangement highly sought after by wealthy white women that's who this is and so they can they can travel the world and and look at you know U.S. preservation of preservation of U.S. cultural artifacts overseas. Um, so, looters, that's, there's, so, I don't know how you, how do you, <clears throat> this is amazing, I'll bet it's, what was it, this is, there's a million stories in the Naked City, this is just one of them? Better. Yeah, yeah. It's better. So, so that arrangement is, is totally corrupted now, and, and, and should be, in, in a world where we had real press reporters, that would be 
being uncorked right now in, in Canover. It turns out that there was a report now that one of the attorneys working for the, the Biden people or, or somebody working for the firm working on, on Hunter Biden's case on behalf of him apparently called into the federal court in Delaware and misrepresented her status. And what she said specifically was, I am a member of either DOJ's team or, or one of the court clerks, and there's an amicus brief that, that is a brief filed by somebody who's not a party to the case that mentions um, influence peddling and a bunch of other stuff that shouldn't be open to the public. And I want you to see it. She's talking to the clerk now. I want you to seal that record. And the clerk goes, so who are you? And she, and she says, she doesn't say, oh, I'm with the Hunter Biden law firm, because that would be an improper request. Now, the law firm claims that any call that they make, the, it comes up on the other person's phone is from that law firm. Of course, well, she was making a call. She was making a call from some unidentified phone. Well, plus, if you call her ID at the clerk's office, but the short answer is, you have a, 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 a this is this is so serious. I can't I can't even imagine that this would happen, but it did. She represents that she is not. She is somebody else who has authority to ask the court to seal this document so that it's not part of the record in the case or not obviously available as part of the record in the case because it's embarrassing to, to the president and it's embarrassing to Hunter. I think this was the one that the Cong- uh, somebody in Congress had sent them. This is the that's the brief. Could be, could be. Yeah. In any event, she calls and does this. I mean, I, I will tell you right now that that gets your bar license suspended. That that's disciplinary action by by whatever. And, and if it happens, happens, it'll just that has licensed that attorney. And, it, and it'll be just if it happens, they'll they'll just spank the one lowly attorney, and the rest of the firm is fine. Right. I don't. I don't know what they're. I don't know what they're going to do. I, my my. When I read the account of it, because it's a little hazy. When I read the account of it, my first reaction, or my my initial reaction was, this was not an attorney. They had some non-attorney do it, so that so that the bar association couldn't go after her. But <clears throat> that doesn't matter. The, the attorneys are automatically responsible to the full extent of disciplinary process for the actions of people in their employ. And and this ought to result in somebody's license being suspended. Well, I uh, I have we have we have time here. We got twenty minutes. I I have because uh, we're going to pass over to break because we were uh, SP futures are up twenty nine. Nasdaq futures up one ninety seven. We love we, we love everything here. Uh, it, it all this, this all to me somehow or another. I mean, by the different people I have on the show, I know everybody thinks I'm nuts. Lou, it's it's all the same subject. It happens every day, all over the place. It's the same crap. I mean, you you look at this, the market doing this, and what the Fed has done. I mean, the the uh, Meta is up twenty six bucks because they just came out and they have some different revenue. And all of a sudden, all these companies that are massive are all trading thirty seven PE, which is I've I've never seen anything like that ever of, of mature companies. I mean, companies that are that are in a growth stage, yes, but this this is. The so they're up twenty seven bucks, say. That's fifty billion dollars in, in market cap. 
the, the, the this lady there are people there were five hundred thousand to them is is like is like you and I buying a beer we we we've, we've totally stretched out the wealth in this country i mean i've never seen anything like the last thing I looked at were in the in the fifties and sixties virtually every class of society i mean every twenty percent bracket essentially advanced almost the same amount in terms of salary and so forth and, and uh wealth and salary percentage wise in the last twenty years it's been not just the top 10%, it's the top 1% of the top 10%. It is, there are people that would, would, would happily pay a million dollars to be on some big committee. And yet, you look it, around downtown here, there's, there's people here with a million dollars, they, they can't afford lunch, for God's sake. I mean, it, I know. I know. Uh, anyway, the, the point that I'm making is just this, all of this stuff with, with Hunter is, is revealing this incredibly corrupt orbit around him and his father and around that family that that in any normal free press kind of situation would be front page news every day until there was a resolution and I'm I'm just that we, we know about and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna beat to death I don't want to get into it because I want to talk about the Oppenheimer movie well we just don't have a, a, a clear picture of it yet no, but we have but we have. If you if you listen to Kevin last week, he was talking about how he worked construction a couple of summers, and first of all, it helped his softball thing because his arms got strong as hell. But he also made sure he finished school. <laughs> um, if you look, who was the Secretary of State under uh, Obama? Not Secretary, Secretary of Treasury. Uh, being with a G, what the hell is his name? Well, it was Summers for a while, wasn't it? No, Larry uh, Summers. No, he was an economic advisor or something. Anyway, but he was. But anyway, he was being with a G, and he wrote the, he wrote the book, wrote a book about himself. Okay. And uh, but it was, and he was in some prep school, and he was a bleep up. Uh, but every every at the end of every summer, instead of, or school year when he didn't do so hot, instead of his dad getting him on a construction crew to get his ass back in school studying, gave him like a he'd get a job as like a, a a clerk to a senator or something during the summer to let him know if he if he actually paid attention, this was his future, you know, type of thing. And how many of these, I mean, you see, you saw the, the, the carnage. I'm not saying they did anything illegal, although I think they were on the edge. You saw the carnage that the Trump's kids did when he was there. They, were, they ran around like they were, they were at the top of the food chain because they were. They didn't act, they didn't act like no, I, I'm just saying, but they, they, how many people out there are there running around? How many loser kids are running around in these high places because they're all man or, or, or old ladies somewhere. I will, I will hold up Donald Trump's kids in terms of their accomplishments against the Biden, against this, this the kid, Biden this, accomplishments this, any day. This kid has been a loser since day one, Biden's kid. Yes. And, and every, now, now, every, his, now, his brother, who died of brain cancer, who Biden keeps, keeps saying was killed in Iraq, his brother sounds like a stand-up guy. Yeah, I mean, Hunter's, Hunter's brother. I mean, how many, how many, how many families do you know where they have six kids and like five people are terrific, and the other one is either a crook or like kills himself or something? I mean, it, well, well, I mean that. Yeah, that that happens. What is astounding is the orbit, and 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 I mean, you have a kid that does this, but you are knowingly inserting yourself into that orbit and allowing yourself to get contaminated with all this stuff. I mean, I mean, it, it, it looks. You and I are you and I are, are business guys. We look at the record that's just been been put out in front of the House of Representatives with the tax fraud, 
and the phone calls and the denials of meetings that actually happened and, and, the, and the, the actual admission that he influenced Ukrainian domestic politics, all of that, and we watch the money back and forth, and we say, this is bribery. He was bribed as Vice President of the United States. The, president, the, the current president was bribed, accepted a bribe through his son when he was Vice President to, to force a foreign political entity to fire a foreign investigator who was digging into the, the operation of a company that the kid was getting paid for. I don't, I'm, I'm, you know you're getting zero argument out of me, but... Uh, I know, I know, but I mean, Gina and I look at this. But, but my, my point is just, I, people, when, when you look at how this is all playing out, just never mind the, the stupidity of the people involved in this corrupt game. And the fact that we would never have known about it if he hadn't left those two laptops scattered all over the place. And we would never have known about it if, if the House of Representatives had not, had not swung Republican. All of this would have been swept under the well, rug. Nobody would have said, oh, this, this is a real problem. In the Chicago. Irrespective of all that, just think about the process that is happening in front of us with this very bad guy, corrupt problematic guy and his pulling and, and causing all of this corruption and exposing all of this corruption just within his orbit. Lou, uh, ask yourself, how often does this I, I don't, I mean... That, that's your point. That's, I, mean, I, I just, I don't know if you uh, read any of this stuff, but one of my, I mean, I've, I've known him for a few years, but he, I wouldn't say he was a great friend, but he was a friend. Uh, Judge Tumut in Chicago just, just died the other, last week, and Tuman is one of these guys that had this 42-year career on the bench, and he has uh, um, some cases that are very notable because he was didn't have a family, and he was one of these you know curmudgeon Irish guys that just was straight as can be. I mean, you couldn't. He was a Marine, um, and he was in the. I was reading the history of his Jeff Fort case, and uh, so Jeff Fort became head of the Blackstone Rangers and the Black Peace Stone Nation, and then he turned to the El Rukins when he got religion and anyway at some point Lou some some community organizer says you should apply for federal money for to be like you know for helping out kids in the neighborhood or something. <laughs> so the guy applies for it and he gets the dough he gets he gets a, he gets invited to Nixon's inauguration what what <laughs> what the, and then he ends up getting getting convicted for for embezzling the government dough he got duh so somewhere along the line, they, they get him on, on these, these murder charges, and he's in Tuman's court. And Tuman, they have a machine gun nest literally out in front of 26th Street. Tuman's got all kinds of people guarding his house during the trial, which you, you, know, you never would have done if you had a family. You would have said, I can't do this. Um, so he ends up sentencing the guy to 80 years in jail. What, what is, what's higher than maximum security? The guy can't even be in, in eye, eye contact with another prisoner, whatever that is. So, but then... Fast forward a few years, all of a sudden he's the judge and Daly. Remember Daly's nephew who whacked the guy in, fr- in front of the bar and killed him? Yeah, fuck, uh, the punch that, yeah. Uh, and, yeah, the kid, the kid, yeah. Yeah, well. That, I do remember that case. That ended up in Tillman's court and he ends up saying this guy got to get charged, which of course didn't endear him to the current administration. Then he ends up being the, uh, the judge that says Kim Fox screwed up the Je- Jesse Smollett thing. You remember this one? And, and, he, and, and he appointed Dan Webb. So here's. 
here's a guy with, with three instances in his lifetime where people, you know, somehow or another, they, they eventually get drawn into the system a little bit. But, Lou, this is, this is all over the place everywhere. I mean, and I, I, don't, I mean, I, you're, you're, uh, the fact that this was on the Democratic side, um, but nobody, no, the Republicans can't, can't get the guy out of Congress who lied on his resume the whole way through the campaign. Nobody out there, they, they seem totally incapable of disciplining themselves. Well, I, I'm just... Am I right or wrong? Point I mean, on this, my point on this, again, is just from a, the perspective of a lawyer, the conduct that is occurring here is absolutely remarkable. Oh, and by the way, Hunter's got a law degree. Got a, got a law degree. I don't know if he's admitted, but he, he held himself out as a practicing attorney, so he must have a degree somewhere. I, I, I'm asking, where's the bar? Where's the state bar that licensed this guy? I'll, I'll bet he's still not licensed somewhere. I, would, I don't know. I mean, he sold himself out of practice, you know. In the, in the, you, th- you think you think the dude passed right, the passed the bar so, and pays so this, dues? This is all this is all self evident. I want I want to talk briefly about the Oppenheimer movie, which I I'm going to confess I have not seen, but I've read the synopsis, and and apparently you three, know three hours you know back to three hours debating the, the atomic bomb issue, and you know Oppenheimer. This movie is supposed to be great. I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Um, the the discussion in there, you know, trying to show the moral issue of creating a weapon that does all this terrible stuff, you know, opens up this this terrible opens the bottle and this terrible genie comes out that that can destroy us all, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And you know, and, and Oppenheimer is credited with um, with saying because he was a doggone genius and a, a polymath. With, with saying when he sees the explosion, <coughs> he, he thinks of the, line, of the words of uh, from the Bhagavad Gita, I believe it is, or the Upanishads, uh, which are, are Hindu uh, uh, spiritual texts, where Shiva emerges and says, I am become death, the shatterer of worlds. And, and this, you know, so I, I, I just I want to go back. Look, there's a quick, I, I'm not, I, uh, Knew something about that. The people who, um, uh, how many Nobel Prize winners, basically did Hitler force out of Europe and landed here? Chief, um, the doggone, the doggone research on the thing, at least initially, was done under the University of Chicago football. Oh, I know, I know. That was uh, under the, which is now the library, by the way. Yeah, uh, the squash. Well, it, it was, it was in the squash court. They built a nuclear reactor. Yeah. In a squash court, but I, under the under the football stadium. Oh yeah, well, I mean, I went to the University of Chicago. It's everybody. Well, I won't say everybody, but most people know that history. But my question is, I never heard that name, Oppenheimer. It was Fermi. It was those other guys. Where, where did he Where did he come from? Where, he was never at the Chicago place, was he? Where Where, where no, was his? He was He was one of the He was one of the Cal Caltech guys. Um, brilliant, but he was charged by. The project manager was a, a general named Leslie Groves. Oppenheimer was charged by Groves with organizing and pulling all of the scientific and technical expertise together. Okay, so he was a coordinator. The bomb. He was he was the George Marshall of the bomb. Yes. <coughs> you know uh, you know the story. I don't know if you ever read uh, Freedom from Fear of William Kennedy. That when Enrico Fermi managed to get out of Italy. And he comes over here, and he, and he he was one of the first guys to realize this thing could be weaponized, right? 
a chain reaction. And uh, then he'd already, he'd already won a Nobel Prize, hadn't he, in physics, I believe. I believe so, yes. He, he, he shows up wherever, wherever the naval office was in those days. He shows up to, to have a, makes a presentation to some admiral and uh, to saying, look, this thing, the Germans are working on this. Although they weren't ever, they were never close because it would what it would take to actually put a bomb together to hundreds of thousands of tons of uranium, which they didn't have. I mean, they, theoretically they were as close as we were, but in, practically they they were nowhere near. So the 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 captain, who's his attaché, what do you, what do you think he says to the admiral when he walks in and tell some waps out here looking for you? Is what he always referred to Nobel Prize winner Enrico Fermi. So that that little interview went nowhere, and the, and the only reason, I, I believe, according to William Kennedy, the only reason why there was a bomb was that somehow or another, somebody in Washington got wind of this guy being here and what his message was and got to Eleanor Roosevelt. Well, Einstein, Einstein wrote a letter to FDR. Yeah, well, somehow or another, FDR met with Fermi. I'm, and and he's the one who got the story and said, "Look, we we got to we got to we got to move forward on this because we sure as hell don't want the other guys to have one if it's possible, and if we don't, we we want it." But it, this was totally because of a of a communication with the president directly. Military people wanted no part of it; they didn't believe anybody. Well, it, that they they suffered they suffered from limited imaginations, which was not uncharacteristic at that at that point. So, so I'm just going. I'm just going to note if, if you want to read sort of the alternative history of what happens if if Germany gets the bomb. There's a science fiction series called The Man in the High Castle, which was a, a novel written by Philip K. Dick, who whose stuff has been just transformed into all kinds of movies and, and TV series. But the book is the book is an alternative history exercise, well, very well known. Of what happens if Germany gets the bomb and they age bomb Washington? Lou, all you have to do is and watch the Star Trek episode with Joan Collins in it, when the Enterprise disappears. That's right. That's right. <laughs> anyway, my, my my point is this: the the concept that Oppenheimer, and this is this is why you have different levels of decision making at different in different parts of the government. The Oppenheimer scientists knew what they were creating. And Oppenheimer knew what he was creating, and they knew how it was going to be used. Did they? Did they? Did they actually know the power of it, other than theoretically? I mean, it, I mean, when they saw it, they still had to be stunned. They knew. They knew it. Well, yes, they were stunned. They knew it was incredibly dangerous. They knew it was incredibly powerful. They knew that they had created <clears throat> a mechanism when they when they detonated the first the Trinity bomb in that near uh, Socorro, New Mexico. When they or Alamogordo, when they detonated it there, they they had a pretty good idea what the yield was going to be. That, but there were some of them that thought the yield was going to be so big that it was actually going to rupture the crust of the Earth and and expose the mantle. There were and create this giant volcano. There were others that thought that the yield might be big enough to actually ignite, you know, part of the upper atmosphere and. You know, set that. Well, once you got it going, once you got it going, how did, is just the the size of the pile? They made the assumption that when the pile was gone, it was going to stop, and it wasn't going to go any further. I mean, was that was that assumption always there? Well, the assumption was that they were going to convert this this 
fission reaction was going to convert a small amount of uranium into into energy. Right. And and it and it was that that was going to give this huge release of energy. It turns out that they had estimated the explosion to be 20, 20 kilotons of TNT, <coughs> which is is monstrous. It actually was slightly more. It was like it was like maybe twenty percent more, so like twenty four kilotons. Um, How do they measure that? How much of it, what the explosion actually was? Shock, shock wave, thermal pulse. Um, you know, comparable. comparable how how mass. close? How close was the closest knucklehead to this bl- this thing blowing up? Oh, miles away. Like two miles or hundred? Oh no, I, I I I don't know. I don't know exactly where the observation posts were, but they were heavily bunkered. I think they were. I think they were like three, four miles away. If I, that was me, I'd wonder if I was far enough. Well, there, as I said, there was some discussion about whether that was going to be, whether any place would be would be far enough. Okay. They didn't, they didn't really know what they were playing with exactly. The radiation effects were not particularly well known. How big was that thing compared to the uh, Hiroshima or uh, Nagasaki? Oh, well, they were they were comparable. They were comparable. The 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 Nagasaki bomb was a different kind of bomb. It was a plutonium weapon. The, the Hiroshima bomb was a uranium weapon. Um, the yield, the yield on both, I think, though, were were comparable. Well, it's, it's interestingly not... enough that and I, this, this is a story I was unaware of until recently. So the radioactive cloud from this thing drifted northeast, and and it, for the most part, in terms of effect on people, had dissipated by the time it got it got into southeastern Colorado, but. The Kodak company in St. Louis had some kind of film production operation going there. And one day they come in and all of the film they have produced that has been sitting out somewhere in, 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 a, in a warehouse or out, outdoors being stored is suddenly all fogged like three days after the explosion. Wow. And the, the, the nuclear nuclear particles had obviously drifted far enough to, to fall on parts of St. Louis and fog the film. Anyway. Well, it's a, you know, well, it's, it's yet the question, enough... The question of whether this thing should have been used, Oppenheimer supposedly is all conflicted about this. <coughs> the short answer is this, and you know this. We were looking, the estimates, the good faith estimates at the time of the invasion of Japan were a million American casualties and maybe 25 million Japanese casualties. Right, why, the first, I, first question is why, we have to dash here pretty simple, why did, why couldn't you uh, keep bombing them and blockade them until, until the cows come home? Why did you ever have to invade? Um, because, because the Japanese were not going to surrender unless we, unless we conquered the island. Well, I mean, Chief, we nuked Hiroshima. <clears throat> Do you know what the Japanese did after we nuked Hiroshima? Do you know how we dropped the bomb in Nagasaki? There was a coup attempt in Japan by by the by the military yeah, yeah. militant uh, military forces yeah, military that. leadership to depose the emperor, depose the government, and turn the whole island island into an armed camp and keep fighting. Well, they, their idea was if you didn't if you didn't go out and down dying, there's something wrong with you. But we, well, that certainly was part. But of we fight, was part of it. We killed how many and more people firebombing Tokyo than we ever did in Hiroshima? 
Well, that's we we did we did. I think the casualty figure, figures were ultimately greater. Yeah. I, but the point the point is that we we were figured we were going to have to invade the island, and you know as well as I do, if, if, if Truman making this decision, if it, if the American people found out that we had a weapon that would have ended the war, and we had one American soldier. One more American soldier than was necessary killed. Oh, I, I'm, I'm with him. I'm with him on that. Yeah. You know, our last. It the White House down. We got to go to Dan here real quick. But if you, the the part about you know Germany could have got there first, that's all BS. I mean, it in a decade maybe. But I, I'm going to say, well, boy, I should get my book in here. Uh, I'm going to say that now, this whole war was three and a half years. Half the time it, it took to fix the burn interchange. So I mean, I keep talking about it. It. Anybody who's who's younger or even older needs to again look at World War II from the U.S. side and see what a nation accomplished in three and a half years. And talked about a two-front war and the manufacturing and the the distances. How do you, how do you get this many people from San Francisco to the friggin' South Pacific for God's sake? I mean, it's it is incredible what people can accomplish when they want. I think I'm going to say, Lou, that we had fifty to a hundred thousand people working on this bomb within five months of, uh, of Roosevelt saying, let's go do it. There was one massive uranium pit, I'll use that term, in Tennessee, and was the other one in Oregon or Washington? So they actually uh, Washington. In a, they had, how many, how many tons of you know, regular uranium does it take to give like one, one, an ounce of the stuff you want? It's oh, like, oh, it's oh, oh, thousands. Yeah. And, and you're distilling uranium-235 out of, out of separating it from uranium-238. And and it's it's a monstrous <coughs> job. You have to use those. They're using those centrifuges and yeah, I mean, gas uh, diffusion systems. There's no way the Germans are doing all that built from scratch. Yeah, there's no way. This is, they're built from scratch in in six months. I mean, there's no way no way the Germans are pulling that off with people on them from every side. I mean, unless Hitler would have st- stood down and waited till 1948 to do something, he might have got there. But he, he sure as hell he couldn't have done it during wartime. Well, let, let me just put it this way. I never underestimate the the uh, capability of the German scientific and industrial establishment at that time. Except number one. Except they lost eight of their best people here. True. Num- number two, we were bombing the living daylights out of anything we thought was affiliated with the German nuclear program. Yeah. Well, then we stopped them from getting heavy water in in, uh, in yep. Norway. In Norway. Anyway, Lou, we got a dash, buddy. Sorry, we were a little bit late, but we got some good stuff in. SP futures now up thirty. Nasdaq futures up two hundred eight. Just don't sell anybody. We'll all be wealthy together. Be right back. Stocks and Jacks. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. 
Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. There's something happening here. Hello, everyone. Thanks, Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Allen. Andrew on the board. Doing Yeoman's job here this morning because we're having some issues with our Zoom. And we're running a tad little bit late here, but we're hanging in there. Got some good stuff with Lou. And we have Dan. Dan, how are you, buddy? Yes. How are you? Good. How are you? Doing all right. We're, uh, you know, we're doing a little technical scrambling here, but we're, we're, we're making making good. Uh, so finally, have we figured out how to do it? If nobody ever sells and we all just buy, we'll all be wealthy beyond the dreams of avarice. So we've, we've tried this about six times since I've been in the business. Have we finally got it right this time? Good. <laughs> it's good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Great tone to the equity market, and and it does seem like um, I, I'm I'm on I'm definitely in favor with the, with what the Fed is doing right now. I, I think everything is in uh, pretty good shape. I mean, the you know the job situation is keeping keeping the economy going. Um, the you know Powell's comments yesterday, I think we're right on target. Um, you know, I've been a, fi- a fan of his from the beginning. You know, being a bond person, I think we're in that phase in the cycle. Um, but unlike other cycles, contractionary cycles or tightening cycles, we're not seeing major impacts throughout the economy. Um, interesting, Tom, though, that where we are seeing them uh, are overseas. You know, we're seeing more of that in Europe and Asia, but less here. I mean, things here are, are um, holding up very well. Interesting thing about the U.S. stock market, however, is that it is waiting for data. It's supposed to be a leading indicator. And I think the news, you know, the recent rally that we had came after came after the debt ceiling issue got resolved, came after the fact that we realized inflation was coming down, came after, you know, decent CPI numbers. So the, the, a, what has been a leading indicator is now somewhat of a, a neutral indicator, if you will. It's it's not uh, the stock market is a little hard to get your hands around right now, but certainly you're right. It's easy time to make money. It's uh, you know, I I don't know. Everybody always thinks I'm like doggy downer on this stuff, only because I've seen the last few times this has happened, we've come tumbling down, and it and we I don't I don't think Microsoft and Meta at a 37 PE only going higher. Is sustainable. I don't see how it could possibly be. I mean, and I, and I yes, I agree with you one hundred percent. The things that are going on behind the scenes that have not been really addressed very well with the say the financial media, you know, meaning some of the you know like the CNBCs and the and the Bloombergs and the and the Fox Business News, is what's happening in the bond market because a lot of people consider the bond market less and less exciting. I'm not one of those people. I think the bond market is very interesting, and I think it's really a big indicator for what goes on, not only with the uh, economy, but also with the equity market. So what we have seen, as I've mentioned uh, many times, 
is a lack of liquidity with high-yield bonds. And what I mean by that is the bid-offered spreads have, have widened out, and they still remain wide. And that's a concern to me. Now, the spread, meaning the pickup over U.S. Treasuries, has actually narrowed, but it is not at historic narrow levels. It's at close to 400 over Treasuries. Um, it's been as low as you know 250. So there could be more room to go. But what we are seeing, and what I would still refer to as the riskier assets, is a lack of liquidity. The bank system has not totally worked itself out. I think the home run came with Carvana when they got bailed out. Um, that was a pleasant surprise that kept the momentum going in the market. There's a lot of money out there, as we've been saying, com coming from you know the, the infusion of money into the system, but also the accumulation of wealth amongst baby boomers. <clears throat> as the market goes up, it's like a snowball that continues to fuel the economy. One thing that um, Powell did mention in his comments yesterday he, they, they take a look at PCE, which is not the same as CPI. It's the, it's, the, um, it's the Consumer Expenditures Index. And that index actually, um, X food and energy, which is the volatile sectors, is still up 4.6%. So I think that's an important number to look at. Um, personal consumption expenditure, right, personal we're, consumption we're, expenditures. Without, without giving my my amazing buddy Dan uh, a bunch of uh, crap on this one how the hell do you look at it there's no you can't find the detail anywhere you you, you can't and that's part of the, I think that is a challenge for for a lot of us investors and and, and for um, people who are really trying to dig down and find out where specifically is this coming from because it does seem like every other meeting you're hearing you know different information so as you know uh, Chief, there was a concern about the higher um, mortgage rates. You know, as mortgage rate, average mortgage rate is over seven percent. So there were assumptions made that there wouldn't be, you know, that home building would would fall off. Hasn't happened. There's a lot of cash buyers out there. There's a lot of people that are transferring their equity ownership from the north down to places like um, Phoenix and Florida. There's there's been a, you know, a, a continued boom, if you will, in the housing sector, which was anticipated to be much slower, but hasn't been. I, uh, I just, I mean, I, I, I can't put much, when, it, when a guy gets up there and starts talking about an index that I can't look at, why, why am I listening to the guy? I mean, it's, I, yeah, I'm in total agreement with you. I mean, we have this, we have this basic rule, uh, filter, if you will, that unless there's total transparency, we're not going to invest in a company. Well, there isn't total transparency when it comes to information, detailed information on, on economic variables and statistics. What I will say that I do think is, is good is that Powell mentioned that there are two more um, job numbers, important job numbers that are coming out um, prior to the uh, next Fed meeting in September, and there's also two more CPI numbers. But what you're saying, and I agree with you, is I want to look at the, the fine line. I want to look at what is in those numbers. Because oftentimes what, what we're seeing in, the, in, you know, in Main Street and what we're seeing if we just you know, look around can be quite different than what we're hearing. And it could be our specific geographic region, but I agree with you. It certainly would be good to see that detail in the numbers. I would, uh, I don't know, I, do, I have such a, 
By the way, my, my brother agrees with you 100%, so when you come to town, he'll be happy to have, come out with us for a drink, I'm sure. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I, mean, he, I, don't, I don't know why, Dan, but I have this, I don't know. It, obviously, it comes out. I try not to do as much as I, as, as I would really like to say it. I think every single word these guys say is a flat-out lie. I honestly do. For, for a long period of time, we're, we're, we're just been given a, a bunch of BS by these people. And I, I, I just can't, I can't get around. I can't, I can't, I can't listen to the dude <laughs> telling me how he's going to get his inflation, how he's going back and forth between 2 and 2.5 and 3% when everybody I know, they look for a roof and it's up 40% in three years. I mean, why do I listen to the guy? <laughs> it, it, it's, it's hard for me to do it. I, I understand he's doing his job. I understand it's a tough spot. But I don't, I don't believe a word they say. I, I'm looking here. There's actually a, a chart here on Wikipedia. Now, who knows how he writes this thing. But it compares the PCE with the CPI. Right now, and the PC is supposed to be closer to what people actually spend money on, correct? And there's a yeah. line. There's a line here um, on medical care, where the CPI has medical care at 6.2 percent of people's uh, uh, basket. The unadjusted PCE is 22.3 percent, which is pretty close because it's like 21 percent of the of the economy. Guess what they <clears throat> guess what they adjust the number down to? According to this, five. I know a guy in the building, his wife went for tests at Northwestern. She's there three hours. And I'm going to say that the, his part of the bill, she was there for two hours, is five grand. I'm going to say that's 10% of his, of his gross income from this building. Easy. How in the God's name can somebody get out there on national TV and talk about numbers that are that wrong? Yeah, and I hear you, and I, I, definitely, I definitely agree with you. And it's really, it's particularly hard when you're looking at your local you know, situation. I mean, here in Southwest Florida, we're still all waiting for roofs um, from the hurricane and it's not getting national attention. And, you know, we're still seeing contractors gouging people and, and you know, we're just seeing a very different world um, than what we're seeing nationally. And it's very hard to to relate. So the way they, they accumulate that data and what's included and what isn't, I think the transparency of that would make it a lot easier for us to be able to see okay uh, that number was was moved up or moved down but here's what happened in a certain region or here's what happened in a certain sector of the economy unfortunately what we get are numbers that are old right and oh. what our job is as investment investors is to look forward and what and make you know anticipate inflation anticipate changes in the stock market anticipate upward potential in, in the investments we make and it's hard to do that with data that needs to be adjusted three weeks after it comes out, right? So, so you see those initial numbers, but then you know there's going to be adjustments, and somehow those adjustments don't get uh, broadcast the same way the initial numbers do. But there's been a lot of downward revisions in these adjustments that have come up, come out. So, where I do agree with you is that it's hard to take the data as just as itself to make your decisions like in and of itself you really need and we know because we've been in the business so long so many other factors influence right yeah. me in the markets but to just take it at face value i agree with you well i mean we're talking about numbers that are i mean on the one hand and i, I you know obviously i talked to a lot of people on the show and so forth and learned from everybody by the way including you uh Look at, I mean, look at what happened like this week or in the last 24 hours. We've got a UPS settlement. Yes. We've got a couple other uh, you know, unions that are, are close to a settlement. 
And I'm going to say when you and I were, were, were Utes, most people gained wealth by earning 100 hours a week and living comfortably on 90. All right. Sure. Oh, that, that ship has totally sailed. And now this, this week, I'm going to say, Dan, if you and I, we'd come up with the same conclusion because both of our calculators go the same way. If we were to look at the, uh, the last time UPS people got a raise and the four-year contract and the pilots, who just came out with one, and I'm going to say that over the last six or seven years, they're all down. And yet, last night, we the guy from uh, you know uh, Meta comes out and gives some BS about AI, which nobody even knows what the hell it is. Yeah, you exactly. know, and all of a sudden, the stock's up. The the, the, the company's up fifty five billion dollars in, in in wealth. All right. So somebody to some group of I mean, Lou was talking about a lady who gave bought a, a painting from Hunter Biden's place for five hundred thousand bucks and got some some uh, you know appointment. Okay, but that's that's Washington on its worst day. Uh, maybe not its worst day, but it's just what they do out there. To some people, five hundred thousand dollars is like is like you and I buying a cup of coffee, and yet to the rest yes. of the world, the rest of the world in seven years has gone backwards. And and some yeah, some yeah. someday somewhere, and maybe not. I, I would have thought that that those two ships would collide at some point, and, and and they really show no signs of it. And part of the reason I think is because we get lied to every day. <laughs> but uh, you know. I, it just, I don't know if that's a part of it or not, but somehow or another, obviously people have, you know, the 401ks and stuff, so they're unlike any other country in the world. I think here people participate in the market more than most. So we got yeah. that, that going for us. But still, what percentage of the population is it? Not much. I, I, I agree. I, I don't know if I totally agree with somebody specifically lying, but I do agree with the fact that they're providing data that's not totally accurate. So, uh, well, what's... Ex- Where's the yeah, cross? I mean, that's a dip, a dip, you know, it's, it's semantics, right? But it, but what I will say about the stock market, Dan, you're, what I will you're say, a diplomat. I'm not. That, that's the <laughs> difference. <laughs> what I will say about this, the stock market in general and people's perceptions, as you know, we're in a field that people really, you know, don't know very much about. I mean, right. there are, you know, people there, you know, when we're investment people and have been at this for, for four decades, we're, you know, we really have seen the ups and downs. And yet somehow the do-it-yourselfer, if you will, thinks that they can step in and knows more than we do. And suddenly what they're doing is they're focusing on future technology, for example, AI. And I think AI is great and wonderful and, and all that, but it hasn't proven itself yet. So just like electric vehicles, look what has happened there. There was all of this run up with names like Tesla. Then you get a CEO that's getting to, into all these other businesses that are unrelated or maybe related like Twitter and SpaceX. We want CEOs that are 100% focused on their business when we invest in a company. But what I'm really getting at is the, is the typical investor, not people like us with experience that do it all day long, but the investor that says, oh, I like this idea, it's gonna take off. People did that with cannabis. People have done that, people did it with electric vehicles. What's really happening now with electric vehicles, if you look at, on your you know, day-to-day, yeah, people are buying them. But when I was driving up in New Hampshire you know, a few weeks ago, I couldn't get, you know, there are signs after this point, there are no more stations for electric vehicles. If the infrastructure has not been built out yet, the pricing hasn't been built out yet. Same thing with AI. It's great in theory, but are we investing in theory or are we investing in results? So even though we're long-term investors, 
are we willing to take that volatility um, and before you know just sit on something before it, it becomes um, a great investment down the road which hopefully it will be but you also have to remember the people at the helm of these companies that are running these companies make a huge difference and there will be more than one player in this market well when you may when you say a huge difference when you say a huge difference it's become talk, talk about again I'm kind of on a, a BS rant here this morning Talk about BS. In the last week, all three of these companies have basically come out and said, I say Google, uh, Microsoft, are going to come out and say their AI is better than the other guy. The, it, the, yes. I mean, the, the, the interview with these people is like, it's almost like the interview with Chairman Powell. You know, I mean, so, uh, Mr. Chairman, uh, you, th- you think that there's this one, one uh, piece of statistic that I know that, oh, we look at that one for sure. It's all we do all day. We didn't eat our tuna fish sandwich today at lunch because we were looking. Come on, give, me, yeah. give, me, give me a real question. We, uh, but, but I'm saying the hard part for you and I in, in, the, in the business and the, and is everybody on TV has become an investment advisor, even though they don't do crap. Yes, uh, yes. And right now, if, if I had a client, and I probably do as I dig through, I had a client, say, at the beginning of the year, we went through his or her portfolio, and they should, they should have, whatever, 500 shares of Meta, all right, because they like the stock and whatever. And but we want to be somewhat diversified, so maybe we got a couple indexes, and we have some of the dividend stocks, which by the way have gotten their ass kicked. And we, and maybe we've got a couple of stuff like 3M that even though they had a good week, are still way down in the year. I mean, there's stocks that all the defense stocks, even though all we do is give stuff to Ukraine, have been down all year, right? It's been they've had a horrible year. So right now, if that client still has the Meta. Where we started the year at 125 and now it's 328, you and I have to have the discussion and say it's worked out great, but now it's way too big of a piece. We need to sell a couple hundred shares here just to balance. What do you mean? What do you want? Why do you want to sell a winner? What's the matter with you? Why do I have you as an advisor? It's on the right. I just listened to Jim Cramer. It's going to 500. But you, yeah. but, you know, I mean, our job has become more difficult because of this. One one sector is crazy for a while, then the other one, then the other one, and oh by the way, just buy, don't ever sell. I mean, there's a lot of balancing and, and normal stuff that you and I know people have to do. God, Dan, you can't talk to anybody in any of this stuff now. It, it's like every rule that you and I know about, nobody wants to hear. Yeah, but one of the one of the way the way that we're set up, which is actually different than a lot of typical advisors, is I come from a, a buy side portfolio management. Um, background and I have full discretion for all the investment decisions. Right. I don't have to go to my clients. So they sign when they sign the agreement, they give me that authority. So not only am I doing the timing and trading and certainly talking to them frequently if they have changes in their life or if they have money coming in. Um, or if we've made, you know, certainly letting them know what we're doing and how we're um, positioned. But that becomes a very difficult discussion if you have to. Fortunately, I don't have to have that conversation, but I have friends who, who do, and it becomes really challenging because you're always gonna get pushback. I also get pushback, I don't know if this happens to you, but when a client is t- trying to roll over money into um, an IRA that, that she has set up at, at uh, Interactive, and the other advisor is telling the reasons that she shouldn't be selling her annuity, which I'm sure he's getting 4% on. Oh, yeah, the yeah, yeah. Lousy, and she can only take so much. So there's there's a challenge in dealing with, you know, it's kind of like construction workers, right? When they're out on the field and they have other contractors that are dealing with, it's, you know, was it the plumber that made the mistake or the, the electrician? And it, it can be like that in our field too. And that's why I think having independence 
and frankly, independence of thought as well. So that what we do is we have our own independent view of what we believe is happening in the economy, despite what Powell says, despite what Kramer says, and usually contrary to what Kramer says. Yeah, yeah. But but we have to know enough about what's going on out there. But we really, I feel like we're paid to make our own decisions, and we're you know we have all this information and we have all this experience, so that we are going to make decisions that are going to be prudent and they're going to be. Um, in most cases, better than the decisions that that uh, others make. Well, it's it's still difficult. And by the way, uh, I'm sure everybody knows that uh, Dan does work for people that I do work for. And a lot of times, I'm the person who says, "Hey, you should give, you know, forty percent of your portfolio belongs to Dan, given your 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 lifestyle. I mean, not lifestyle, your life your life situation. Right. Exactly. But, but still, and and Dan was a percent or two or more ahead of anybody for the last three or four years that I know of in his area. But Dan's going to say, look, I can, because of what we do, because of, uh, you know, we're smart enough to get some stuff in the treasuries. And oh, by the way, I still have some of these companies I find that don't, people don't find. And, and Dan's going to get, I'll pick a number, 7% versus 5, which means he's doing pretty damn well. And there's going to be somebody who says, what are you doing? I made I could have made ten percent on Meta last night, and somebody says, "What do I got my money with Dan for?" You, you're going to run into that, Dan. There's no doubt about it. What I tell them, what I tell them, Chief, is I tell them um, open that personal account, and I do have a guy that did open it when he was asking me about investing in, in Carvana about six months ago. Doesn't happen that often, and and then of course I get the phone call after the run up, and and I says, you know, I'm really happy for you. You're well diversified, and I'm glad that in retirement you're learning about this. And by the way, you were a CFO of a company so you do you know you do have an understanding of this but to me that is a you know we don't want to take that level of speculative risk in what I do I ran a hedge fund in the past but what we're doing is preserving capital providing income and growth so it's it's taking that you know being speculative with your own money is an individual decision and I think that should be managed on on your own or with somebody who's willing to take speculation risk at your you know at your request but but I you know we don't do that I won't do that I will we will take concentrated risk when we have high conviction in something but we're not going to be speculative well I mean I would you would you say that companies that big moving 10% and some you know story that they give out on the telephone is a is dangerous I I do yeah, no, absolutely. This it's too much, you know, having that much control of the overall market and frankly of the overall global economy is really scary. Yeah. And when things happen as they have, say for example, with Twitter changing their whole, you know, to X, ha- having their whole yeah. um, Facebook, you know, changing to Meta. I mean, it, you know, I, I wouldn't say Facebook is is horrible, but I don't really see, you know, I don't know that it's great either. I think it's it's, you know, it's okay. Um, I tend to like Amazon of that crowd. I tend to like Google of that crowd just from, you know, practicality. But I don't like the fact that the com- level of competition in those areas um, is, is at, you know, at a minimum. And um, I do hope as time goes on that there will be new players in those markets to keep prices down and certainly to keep what you're what you're referring to as that sort of sense of monopoly, if you will, that not only can hurt that particular industry, but can really hurt the global economy. If, well, the, if there our, is, our only hope of them, if somebody coming up to be a competitor, our only hope of them not buying them is Europe, because they're the only place that has an antitrust department, it appears. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I'm 100% with you on that. Yeah, I got a, a quick question, then we got a dash. Uh, 
what um, when you when you in our in our lifetime usually bear markets are like the elevator and and the and the bull markets are like the escalator. Uh, this has all changed, Dan. Is it is it changed for good or we never? The, I mean, the the bull market from 2008 to wherever, or 2000 to 2007, there never were days like this to the upside. I mean, I won't say never, but it's rare where you know the, the, these streaks like this. I mean, where's the money coming from? Is, is it is it coming from the market itself? That now all of a sudden there's 50 billion more buying more more dollars more buying power because of the meta move last night? Is it is it is it a, a snowball going downhill on an avalanche? I mean, is that is that where it's coming from? It is. It, I, I think it is a snowball um, going down, becoming you know, becoming an avalanche. There's no question. It's also think about not only in the finance, you know, the the financial markets, but also think in real estate. So many people have so much equity in their homes, and they built those up. So I think baby boomers in general have accumulated a lot of wealth, whether it be in the stock market, which, as you indicated, yeah, it's been happening since 2009. You know, other than a, a blip for COVID, we we have had an upward trajectory. And, and so that continues to fuel itself and the momentum in the market. And oftentimes, and this is what happened in 07, 08, and I remember it very, very clearly, people have their eye off the ball when it comes to the credit side or the bond side. And that's what I started out our, our discussion this morning saying, is that there are some cracks, there are some things happening, there is a lack of liquidity in high yield bonds that wasn't there six or eight months ago. So there are things starting to happen and people are not paying attention. They're just going on that bandwagon. And clearly the fear of missing out, you know, as things continue to go up, oh, geez, I missed that 30% rise. Can I still get in? That is also what's fueling the market. So it's, it's the, you know, it's, it's the market um, getting bigger and, and then, you know, more money that's out there to spend. If anything, what should be happening right now is that those baby boomers who have accumulated this wealth should be preserving it and, and have an income and putting their money, a larger portion of their money in strategies like yours and mine. Well, I agree, but they're not, they're not going to sell their house because you got to live someplace. I mean, uh, but I... I but but they move or they have yeah. a second home or, yeah. you know, depending, yeah. yeah, and a lot more people at a lot lower you know, it, it wasn't as common even 10, 15 years ago for people to have a second home, and now it's become a lot more common. And for people to be paying top dollar, you know, certain cities, like I said, Boston, New York, still having bidding wars, you know, and, and there's, stuff, there's concerns. The other area of concern, by the way, we're talking about high yield bonds. Commercial real estate is still, oh. you know, that's still up, you know, in the air, especially office buildings, Boy, especially in certain locations. So Chicago, there are some Chicago, ouch. People you know, people don't want to pay attention to stuff like that when everything's going up, right? They just sort of, oh, I see that article. I'm going to, I'm going to skip yeah. over that article, and you know, rather than trying to understand the full picture, which is what we have to do, we have to understand all the risks um, associated with investing. Um, a real quick question, and we got a dash from Mr. Flanagan. Uh, if you were taking an economics test, and you said the price of a house is 400 grand, and uh, really hasn't been that much increase in income. Uh, and all of a sudden, your mortgage rates double. If you were to s- turn in a paper that say the houses will still be four hundred grand, I'm thinking you get a big flat F. Yet, <laughs> yet they sort of haven't. Now, there's a lot of reasons for that. A lot of people can't move because they got the. I mean, a real lot of people can't move because they have the, the lower mortgage. So there's a, there's a tension there. There's not a, there wasn't a lot of new construction during COVID. So there's 
something going there. But still, I don't know that we've 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 changed the laws of physics or economics that there isn't some pressure there somewhere, Dan, or, or won't be, or will be at some point if there's ever any kind of a trigger. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you think about um, people here in Florida on on fixed incomes that are having to sell properties because HOAs have gone up, insurance has gone up, property taxes have gone up. So even if the home value, as you're suggesting, you know, stays the same. The other thing is I have found a lot more people who are retired and quite a bit into their, you know, their retirement years and their 80s that still hold on to mortgages. And to me, you want to have a sense of freedom as you get older, not necessarily a good investment unless you're holding on to a 3% mortgage, in which yeah. case you're making money. But I, but I agree, there's again, there's, there's stuff gurgling in the housing the consu- from a consumer, a household point of view, because your expenses, your monthly expenses are going up. And in many cases, people with a pension, for example, or fixed income are not seeing the things increase at the same rate. We got a dash. Thank you. Uh, obviously, uh, good stuff. And we'll uh, looking forward to your visit. I'll bet we even get Mr. I'll bet we even get Mr. Flanagan to come downtown tonight. You're here. That would be great. It's my birthday too, and I'm there. So really, we'll have a little birthday celebration. There you go. That means we got to buy. Oh, yeah. It means we got to buy. I figured you'd schedule it on your birthday, so we have to buy. <laughs> Just take care. Let's be futures up thirty six. As if futures up two twenty five, we're gonna have a short break, and we'll come back, Mr. Flanagan. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now.
Global Office Action Jacks. I'm Tom Howell. Uh, Andrew on the board. SP Futures up 36 now. NASA Futures up 227. Uh, second quarter GDP came in at 2.4% pace, which is a lot faster than the 2% people um, trying to find the PC, uh, the price deflator number here, uh, because obviously it's a, it's a goods and services minus the inflation rate. And when you've had nothing but the last three weeks of everybody coming out with earnings saying how much they've raised their prices, I'm thinking that maybe the, the uh, prices went up over 2% in the second quarter, just just saying. Um, but we won't know until that comes out what their, what their number is. We have, uh, like I said, we have a rally individual stacks. We've got uh, Goldman Sachs up 241. We've got Boeing up 299. Boeing was up huge yesterday after earnings. Uh, we have Salesforce up 263. Really mostly all green here again. Uh, Dow Futures are up 86. Over in Asia, we've got the Nikkei. These guys are all pretty... Uh, not much going on yesterday. But the kneecap 222 today, 0.7 percent. Hang Seng up 273, pretty much over 19,000 now. 19,639 are up almost a thousand points in uh, a couple of days. Shanghai down six, call that flat. Over in Europe, uh, DAX up 196, 1.2 percent. FTSE up 19.2 percent. Kick around almost up 2 percent, 134, 1.85. Big rally over in France yesterday. The Dow is up 82, the S&P down 71 cents, Nasdaq down 17. So. It was a uh, kind of a nothing day with the Fed, with the Fed uh, guys talking. Ten-year up four basis points, 3.89. The bond down four basis points, 2.41. Japan unchanged, 0.45. We've got oil up again, almost 80 bucks here now. This, this is getting a little troubling. Oil up 81 cents, 79.59. Brent up 66 cents, 83.58. Natural gas down six cents, 260. Arbob up two, 293. Arbob is almost getting to three bucks. So uh, if you see a cheap gas, you better fill up. Gold down a dime, 19.70. Silver up 23 cents, 25.20. Now, will it stay over 25 this time? It never seems to, but we'll we'll check. Copper unchanged, 389. We got Bitcoin up 116, still not over 30,000 though, 29.477. And the U.S. dollar we have virtually unchanged with the euro at 110 and the British pound at 129. Andrew, what do you got for us? Quick traffic, weather, sports. We'll get to Jan. All right, it is 7:41 here in Chicago on July 27th. Uh, with some sports, some baseball last night over in Phoenix, the Diamondbacks lost to the Cardinals 11-7, and the Cubs won against the White Sox 10-7. Over to Chicago weather is currently 79 degrees. We got sunny skies, kind of a high of 92 today. And over in Phoenix, they're currently at 92 degrees, clear skies. They're going to have a high of 108 with that excessive heat warning still sticking around. Now, finally, for Chicago traffic, we are pretty deep in the red today. Uh, expect pretty heavy delays if you're coming in on nearly all inbound expressways, especially on that Kennedy that's blocked up all the way from Austin Avenue, uh, basically all the way to downtown. Um, but thankfully, looks like still no major accidents to report, just a lot of backups. <laughs> and also expect some delays if you're coming outbound on the Eisenhower and as well on the Kennedy. So that's all I got for our quick break. Do we have Mr. Flanagan? Yes, we do. I'll bring him right up. Mr. Flanagan, I'm sure he has his 5,000 shares of Meta. He's up 30 bucks. He's probably happy. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing with your 5,000 shares of Meta? <laughs> oh, that. <laughs> just another, just another crumb for the table, you know. Yeah, it's just you know, it's, it's just me, my dignity to think about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? What was uh in, in, in Caddyshack? What's this check for? Ah, just another check. You were Chevy Chase. <laughs> She goes, it's for, what she say? It was like $20,000. Ah, guy tosses it away. <laughs> for some people in our society, that's the way the world is right now. For the one, is, is yeah, there, I mean, you just got to take it. That's the way it is. I'm sorry. I guess we just got to, we can't even talk about it. I guess we might as well just say, that's the way it is. Those, you know, the, 
we should run our government so one percent of the people get all the dough. Why not? Well, I, I really enjoyed Lou's um, cogent summary of everything going on in the House of Biden today. Yeah, uh, especially the latest developments. Um, and you know, it, it, to me, and it's the same thing that you can find parallels for in other families. I mean, in the Illinois is ripe with such examples. But I mean, you take the case of Bo Biden, you know, Joe Biden's elder son, the one who died, um, who by all accounts was, you know, not like Hunter when it came to his, you know, his lifestyle or his pitfalls. But even he, Tom, you know, I think he passed the Delaware Bar on the third or fourth try, which doesn't make him a bad person because I and other people I know who I respect, you know, get through the bar on the second try at least in some cases some of my friends even beyond that doesn't make them bad people but I do think that the last thing I would be looking to do is is somebody who has you know not made it through the bar you know after several tries would be to become the attorney general of Delaware I'd settle for something else if I had you know the ethics and the, the kind of street smarts that I would give myself credit for having that maybe I was barking at the wrong tree in seeking a career where I might be out of my element if I if my grasp of the bar, you know, and the, you know, the law wasn't any better than it was. Maybe I should aim for something different. I don't have to be the attorney general. But in the case of, the, of families like the Bidens and others, you know, who are driven by kind of the same ideas, uh, those are ideas of entitlement, that they want those positions because they do translate to power and business opportunities. And I think probably the only reason Bill Biden took the bar exam at all was to become attorney general. And I, I, I think that kind of puts a, a different kind of gloss on, on Hunter's situation, that a lot of this is, you know, something that's been with them really all their lives. And Joe Biden is kind of a walking, talking example of it, of somebody with, with marginal skills. You know, one of the most undistinguished records, I would say, in Congress for legislation or anything else. But... Um, it was all kind of you know, calibrated to give him exactly what he wanted. And, you know, up until recently, I think the, the family has gotten pretty much what it aimed to get. And But for embarrassments like what we're seeing now, they'd be doing even more. But um, the really unspoken thing about all of this, though, is the connection with Ukraine. And I think that, that's one of the most damning glasses to put on all of this. If we were to take a, a, a Dan Inouye in, in who I thought was always very, I mean, most people thought he was, he, he was the, the Judge Tuman of the Senate, I think. Uh, if we could get him out of his grave and give him a staff and have him just take a random sample of whatever, I'm not, we'd probably give money to God knows how many places in the world, take a random sample of 10 of those places for the last, a year for the last 10 years, do an investigation. I'll bet he has half Congress and half these people in jail. I mean, the, the amount of people following U.S. money to these places, just like carpetbaggers did after the Civil War, I bet that's a that's a that's a thriving business. On both, I mean, on both sides of the aisle, because nothing. All you have to do is watch what happens to the money when it comes to like Chicago from the government. Well, you know. I agree with you, Tom. Um, but just to, to to wrap up that part of it, I mean, there would never have been the, the first impeachment of Trump had it not been for the fact that the Bidens had become completely enmeshed in Ukrainian politics. And I think it's pretty clear now that the impeachment attempt was just a way of squelching any investigation into the Biden's crookedness, 
which, you know, there's good and bad reasons for impeaching people, but I think that's one of the worst reasons. You impeach somebody because they're on to you. Well, I, it's, all, it's all about, you know, diversion, and it's all about deflection of, of what you're really doing, I mean, isn't it? I mean, that, that's, that's become our, our, ga- our goal here, and it, I, I see it, um, I, you know, I don't know, Janet, I mean, one of the things that I, I don't know, it's either a talent or a curse, is I constantly put things together. I see somebody in a, in a nice car blowing right through a red light or a stop sign, all of a sudden, there's, it strikes me that there's this total disrespect for whatever it is that made America what is America, where we all somehow figure out a way to live together, have some rules that everybody pretty much agrees to, have some punishments for the few people that, that don't toe the line, and by and large, you can count on just about everybody being honest. But the world is not, I mean, I... I grew up at, uh, at Notre Dame, you know, and I don't have a whole lot of great things to say about them today, but when you and I were there, you could have put a $10 bill on your desk, never locked your door for four years, and it would still be there. Um, and and a, on a trading floor, you never you never saw more honest people in your life, even though everybody thinks they're a bunch of thieves. That, that's total BS. Yet every place else, <laughs> since I've left, <laughs> everywhere I look, Everybody can't find. Everybody is not everybody, but a lot of people spend their whole day just trying to get around stuff. And you see people who who cheat continually get ahead. If you're not cheating, you're not winning. And somehow or another, I don't know what it would take. We went from, you know, Obama who got in there, and I think Obama's you know reasonably honest guy. Although he had his house and he had he was he was uh, hooked up with that guy. He was one of the biggest crooks in Illinois. What the hell is his name? Uh, Resco. Yeah, Resco. Then you get Trump in there, who's been hasn't paid a bill, you know, in, in thirty years. He can't wait to sue people. When as soon as he gets a bill, doesn't pay him. I mean, the guy he has, that guy he wouldn't have lasted thirty seconds in the trading pit because he would have tried to renege on his first trade, and nobody would have traded with him. I mean, in, in my experience, that that guy would go nowhere. Now we got this guy, who somehow you know stays in the Senate all these years, watches things come at him, picks up. Learns along the way a few tricks of the trade of how you make yourself rich while you're there, and he has some kid he can't control, which he's not the only person that has that. There's got to be how many how many useless kids of these people are running around Washington as either staffers or something or, or court staffers. How, there's got to be what five thousand of them, three thousand, five hundred. I mean, I mean this kid happens to be worse since I know people that knew him when he was younger and he was a loser then. But the fact is, Geifner was sort of the same way. I mean, and even he didn't do anything like this. In his book, he said every time he, he bleeped up during school, his dad got him a job in Washington to kind of show him how good life could be if you just play the game. Where you and I might have worked construction over the summer, you know, saying, well, if you don't go to school, this is what you're going to be doing the rest of your life. So, I mean, it, there's a whole difference in class with these people. And if, if you, that's why everybody, my, our buddy Doc, not Dr. J, said there isn't, there isn't any CEO, even though they make a gazillion dollars, that wouldn't, become, wouldn't trade that job to be a senator tomorrow. Because of, of the of the stuff that goes with it and the the prestige and all that stuff, I you know something somebody has to clean this crap out, John, and I don't see it happening, and not only in in our lifetime but in my grandniece's lifetime, because they they absolutely refuse. They can't point a finger at each other, because you know the one one the one uh, the one thing in the Bible they must all know about is that if, you know if you're not clean you can't you can't cast the first stone, right? Because it might come back at you. I mean, the Republicans can't throw the guy that one loser out of the Congress that, that told everybody he was all his stuff on his resume when he ran. 
right? I mean, why? What? And how much? How much? How much money did he did he take from someplace? Well, well nobody take, takes responsibility for even you know auditing any of that stuff. No, Tom. And it, it used to be that the press was responsible for that because they had supposedly a balanced approach to politics. And if they found crookedness or suspected crookedness, they put somebody on the case and you know, have some kind of way of, of saying, you know, this cuts across both sides of the aisle. We don't, we're not trying to protect one side and demonize another. But nobody's even looking at this stuff. And it's a, a, a even bigger example is all this, you know, hoopla now about election interference. And at, at some level, all this stuff with the Bidens can be seen as election interference. Does it that mean? What I'm saying is, you know, to suppress information about the Bidens that was embarrassing to them in the run-up to the 2020 election. Why, but why do you have to? Why do you have to? Nobody has to. You know, these guys would love to suppress stuff. If you were to put out tomorrow, there's going to be, if I have, 15 right wingers on the show, including my significant other, and if I were to say, by the way, what'd you listen to last week? Well, what's the channel that she can't wait to get on? It's worse than Fox News. It's a uh, something on cable. I don't know what the hell it is. I mean, she that she watches, and uh, and she has a couple friends come over. One of her friends, who's you know so right, it's friggin' scary. That's all she listens to. And I, and my my uh, family, they were saying one of the one of the guys, he's a retired policeman. He's got he spends his whole day with something in his ear from some podcast from some right wing place, listening to Fox News on TV. So he's listening to, and, th- and yet on the other side, there's people that listen to God knows what how bad Trump is. I mean, if, if, if you were to say, matter of fact, we try and do it on Stocks and Jacks, for God's sake. We try and give the, the, the real story to, and, and give both sides. What do you think would happen if we said, okay, we're going to be a, a national, we're going to be, God, 12 hours of me talking. If we're, if we're going to be on whatever, all day long, and oh, by the way, it costs you $2 a month to get in here, and we're going to hire John Cass and a bunch of other people that don't have jobs anymore, and we're going to hire 10, 15 people for real investigative reporting that's neither right nor left. Sometimes we'll come down this side, sometimes down the other. I don't see, I don't see us getting person one. John. Nobody wants to come up with a nickel. So you, 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 you know, It isn't just the, the press, Tom, but it's the people who kind of like the way things work, and even though they find that they, you know, it, it, they're being passed over now for something, they'll wait their turn because they know the system is so crooked that eventually... You know, I, being a crooked person, can expect to get mine, too. Could there be any bigger, more egregious example of election interference than the fact that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris were on the final ticket? To me, that, that well, is like, you know, <laughs> it speaks for itself. Kamala Harris is about the only person I can think of who was stinking at the room so badly in a run-up to the presidency that she had to drop out before the first primary. What does that say about her electability? Well, there and was the same a thing with Biden. There were seventeen people in some of those debates, you know, yelling at each other. And of those seventeen, you get these two. That can only be by election interference at, a, at an extremely sophisticated and you know, larger level. Did you ever? And yet, it, it's very different from the kind of election interference that people want to focus on. That the, the press wasn't doing its job, or nobody. But look, look what's happening within their own parties to permit this kind of. Shutting out of the electorate, nobody would have ever gone for those two people. In the same way, they wouldn't have gone for Hillary Clinton in 2016 had the DNC not corrupted the process running up to the oh, convention and came out of it. All right, well, that's how, how they ended up right, well, I have there was another case of election interference. Some my uh, well, the guys who 
miraculously fell apart. And, and Obama's rush to the Senate. Every time he every time he ran against somebody, the guy had something wrong with him. I mean, well, it was, Jack Ryan. Yeah. You know, well, but 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 but, but know, Phil, all, all, all these people were just, you know, just like you know the, the pins being set up to be knocked down. Well, what what year was uh, what year was Bush? Uh, Bush, who the hell did Bush beat the first time through? Uh, well, he ran against Gore and, and yeah, but Bush Gore. The, the uh, there's a. I don't think I don't think it was ever published, Chad. But maybe it was. Remember the books that were the uh, making of the president, like 1960. Oh, sure, right, yeah. Was it was it William? Was it Manchester? Is that his name? No, 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 no. Was was it was. Was it him or was it, was it, or was it Theodore White? It was one of those two, one of those names. Yeah, you did in Kennedy's, you know, in your circle. But it, um, with the Kamala interview with, with Jackie after you know the assassination and all that stuff. But the, the deal with these people had, you know, I'm gonna, I'm actually cleaning my place up a little bit. Uh, I know I have a, a Time or somebody, U.S. News World Report, back from that particular election, and uh, they. The, the the Republican right, I mean, uh, the the couldn't stand Clinton, right? I mean, the pointers that talk about oil and water, uh, they didn't. They thought this Clinton was a total disaster. Um, so they had a, they they essentially this was run by the guy he just he just croaked uh, Schultz. He he died what a couple of years ago? He was like yeah. 102 or something. Uh, he has a big conclave down in Texas somewhere where he, where he pulls in all these you know old line right wing guys. Right, and uh, you know the, the all the neocons, that whole group, and they they essentially interview for who's going to be the next Republican candidate, and they get George Bush in there, and they go, okay, well the guy, he's likable to everybody because he owns a baseball team, even though he didn't own it, he was the face man of the team. Okay, that's a big plus. He managed to become governor of Texas, which is you know not easy to do, and he's relatively likable, which I think he is, but he had this drug and booze problem before the age of 40. And then now he's clean as can be. And they say, all right, we're going we're gonna, to, we're just never going to answer any questions about before the age of 40. We're going to tell everybody straight out, and they'll stop asking them, which, which happened. So the guy, they, these guys raised, whatever year that was, raised $30 million for this guy's campaign out of the gate, back when $30 million was like real money. Now, now it's, you know, if you're, it's chump change for a lot of people, but in those days it wasn't. So the dude goes out to, uh, where do you go, to Vermont or New Hampshire and basically gets his ass kicked by McCain. And these guys are apoplectic. Who's this McCain guy? We can't control him. I'm not saying McCain's perfect or anything like that, but he was a wild card even back then. Yeah, and uh, he, he was, to plus or minus, he was pretty much his own man. They are appalled. And the Internet had kind of just started up doing decent, well, decent stuff, becoming the internet that we know today. The next week was the was the Super Tuesday, right? In Carolina, in Carolina, all those places. Remember when they used to have the Super Tuesday? Yep. All of a sudden, the internet is rife with McCain's wife cheating on him when he was in when he was in uh, POW, and the reason why he survived and other people didn't because he gave North Vietnamese information. Blah blah blah. This all hits the internet. So, like a week or two later, George Bush wins down in Carolina after he got his ass kicked in New Hampshire. That's the reason why even at the convention, McCain didn't shake hands with the guy. Because they, whoever these people were that put up the 30 million bucks, they totally torpedoed. Now, whether McCain was a better candidate or not, I have no idea. But because but he, uh, he had his issues as well. But 
they they absolutely buried the guy. And, uh, you know, I mean, this is not new, John. I mean, how did, you know, like my mother said when she was still with us, when Bush ran against uh, Kerry, how do we have two C students that both laid naked in a coffin looking up at dead animals running for president? How indeed? Yeah, I mean, how? how can't, she goes, can't we do better than that? We had three hundred million people. What are the yeah, <laughs> what are, so I mean, I mean, is is there a uh, you know look look what happened to Elliot Spitzer? They absolutely torpedoed that guy. And who was the one guy that had the affair before him? What, what, the, the, all of a sudden he was all what was his name? The Democratic guy who had the the affair with the girl in the motel and the police or the the paparazzi saw him and he basically told him to buzz off or something. What's his name? You know what I'm talking about. He was he was a big time candidate for a while, and all of a sudden now I'm, now if we're if we're going to not put anybody in the White House that ever uh, had an affair with anybody other than their wife, wh- how many presidents would we've ever have had? For God's sake, I'm not saying that's something anybody should do, but really. <laughs> Yeah, you know. Well, yeah, yeah, and you're right. I mean, the, the, the history of was it Gary Hart? Manipulation was it Gary Hart? Rich and ancient, um, and it's now. I think it's kind of accepted. Uh, uh, I mean, certain kinds get, get a little more, you know, rancor than others. But by and large, there's all sorts of unlikely events, you know, that you can point to in, in you know, local elections, state elections, national elections, whatever. Where the, where the wrong thing seems to be happening, and it's because somebody pulling strings behind the scenes that isn't being called out. Um, but, but it's because these people um, have enough control that they they silence people who would call them out. Was it, it was any kind of whistleblower um, situation like we're seeing now? Um, interesting. I don't know if it's if it's ever going to have you know real results in any of this. There's ever going anybody well, you can't you know pay any price for what's what's happened here. Um, I, I don't think anybody has any idea how life it is. And well, how would you how acceptable it is to do this? But John, as you know, my my theme of the show is everything depends on everything else. If 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 all of a sudden the curtains, you know, parted the heavens, and say you or I or together we ran as president and vice president, and we were going to do, could you imagine if we ran on some kind of a a campaign that was going to going to even talk about antitrust? What the articles would be coming out of the Washington Post with the oh, Bezos yeah. owns, we would we would get nowhere. Gary Hart, I think, was the guy's name, wasn't it? Gary Hart, well, that, and that whole thing was set up. The whole photo up was completely staged. Yeah, Ray Atwater came clean about that in later years, and it was strategic. You know, push this girl on his lap, take a picture, and then make up a story about it. Boy, it worked. Yeah, it totally fake. Well, totally fake. Because I mean, it, that's when when you talk about these guys saying nothing. All right, and I. I did a little media training for a couple of days and I ran for the board. Uh, it's interesting. I mean, it really, it, but you, you can go over the top, John. If, if somebody, if all of a sudden you and I were running and I walk out of my office here and there's five microphones and a bunch of knuckleheads trying to interview me, why? And they say, geez, uh, Chief, how's your golf game? You know, you immediately have to turn it into, uh, well, I'm not playing much golf now because I'm worried about running for the presidency. And by the way, this country needs some strong leadership, and John Flanagan and I are going to provide. You've got you've got to turn it around to your own stuff because you you couldn't pay for that time. I mean, if you're going to be on national TV, you can't be on there for two minutes without getting some of your message out. I mean, I sort of get that. But but if you take it to its logical or maybe illogical extension, you every place you go, you tell people what they want to hear. To the point, Ben Clinton was a master at this. 
he was the first guy to use essentially focus groups for the poly. He, he's what do people want to hear? So I, I would, you know, you and I, I, we'd have to at least learn some of this. I would hopefully it wouldn't go into our core, but you can't, you you can't right now you cannot be truthful and win, which is a problem. <laughs> when, I mean, guys like Trump and Biden wouldn't know the truth if it hit them in the head. So it's easy for them or Clinton. I think it was well, a hard. It's gotten so bad, Tom, that like in the last gubernatorial election, uh, Pritzker never really hid the fact that he was financing the campaign of, of Daryl Bailey. Right. Because he didn't want to have Richard Irvin as an opponent. But, you know, so he, nobody, there's no concealment of that. Everyone talked about it. There's no, no doubt about where the money came from to push Bailey to the front of the line because Pritzker thought it was not only his job to win the election against an opponent, but to choose his opponent. I, and and, 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 and yeah. no, nobody, to my knowledge, has come down on that as other than, well, that's if you got a lot of money and you'd want to spend it that way, who's to say you can't? Well, I, I'd say it's pretty illegal to do something like that if you want an honest election. Okay, and, I, and I'm going I'm to say, by the way, I, I'm right with you on this one, but I'm going to say that his team took a look at today's world in Illinois, and you know, and this guy's for whatever reason he's somewhat popular. Uh, they're going to say only a guy like John Flanagan a year later or two years later is even going to remember it. It's going to be a splash on a Friday afternoon or Saturday morning, and three weeks later, we're going to worry about the Bears. I mean, and, and you know what? They're they're absolutely correct in their assessment. Now, does that make it right? No, but they're not wrong. And and, and these are techniques that people. I mean, Trump. He doesn't care about lies because his people don't care if he lies. And, and they say the other guy lies just as much, and they're probably right about that. But that, that's not the – if ever you want to have a really horrible conversation with people talking about politics, if you say, well, gee, Trump or, or, or Biden or Pelosi or Schumer or somebody or uh, McConnell, the first question out of somebody – the first thing somebody's going to say is, what about this other person? It's, uh, and you have, if you say – Okay, let's talk about the original person for like two minutes, and then we'll talk about your person. Once we get them in the same conversation, we go nowhere. And we're going nowhere, Jen. We're going nowhere, right? Well, and if we decide ahead of time that everybody is a crook and everybody does this, then we're probably the problem, not the solution. Well, that's right. That's exactly right. And uh, I'm going to say that what, you know, uh, Trump's antics in his entire life, the guy probably ought to be in jail for not paying people and stuff, and, and, and for dirty business dealings and God knows what else. There's there's no question in anybody's mind that Hillary had a had a uh offshore foundation that didn't do squat as a foundation was a way to get money from foreign people for her election, which is illegal to do. Everybody knows that. How could you not? Right? right and we got a bloody war in Ukraine yeah. to defend the Biden family interests. Yeah. I think if Trump were in there we wouldn't be having the war. Eh. We might be having something else, but we wouldn't be having I that. I I think Putin's a wild card that we could have Solomon in there and, and he'd still be doing it. Something well, something really wrong with that clearly, guy. You know, it's, it's just a, it's, well, you know how I feel about Ukraine. And well, I know, but I'm saying... But they, they all mesh together in my mind. But this, nobody seems willing to like, pull the curtains back and well, take a quick look at that and say, what the hell are we doing? Well, right? Lou, Lou says you can't, you can't put anybody's logic into a guy like Putin other than Putin's. You can't you can't say well gee if we just would have done this or done that or if Ukraine was was a little less corrupt or no, if we, we done is uh, and just let him walk in. Well, we dared him to go in, so we can't really. Well, I mean, we're all, we're always we, we dared we dared Saddam Hussein to go into the other place too. I mean, our, our, we made it pretty hard for him not to go in town. Let me put it that way. Well, you know what? 
and you and I, we got a dash here, but you and I have had this discussion before, and I think we're on opposite ends of this one. You can, you can taunt somebody all you want, but he's doing the killing. We're not. I mean, we didn't kill anybody. We, we, may, we, we, we had a, an ambassador, okay, who allegedly, uh, who was the lady who was the ambassador to God knows where, Middle East or something, that told when, uh, was it, uh, Kuwait was, was shoving their oil, oil pipes underneath the border over into whatever they were doing. They, they were stealing uh, Iraqi oil. All right, and I guess, I guess they were. You know, I, I don't know, but and uh, evidently somehow or another, Saddam c- contacted some way or another our ambassador and said, you know, this, these guys are doing this to us. Would you guys have a problem if we basically kicked their ass out of there? I think the answer was no. But then when he went in with such huge amount and raping and pillaging in all these towns, then all of a sudden our, our response. I mean, we may have been stupidos in how we dealt with him before the war. But, and, and maybe that person should be, be fired and never put, get a job again. Uh, but we weren't doing the killing. He was. I mean, we, we, we don't do that. I mean, as bad as we are, John, we, we, don't, we try not to do that. Let's put it that way. Not well, that we have people in the State Department like Victoria Newland and other people close to Biden that wanted this to happen and knew how Putin would respond and did everything possible to make it a certainty. And then we start shoveling money into it. So... Uh, I don't think it had to I, go down that I, way. It was clear from the beginning when, when Zelensky called Trump and this whole thing came out about the Biden family's corruption. The, the things are set in motion for just what we're seeing now. Well, I, I, I don't think too many people want to really consider those connections, but we're looking at something that's completely measured out of control to protect the financial interests of the president's I don't, family. I, and I, I just find that this Well, Jan, you, you know... money into Ukraine to prop up that funds. Well, you, you know that uh, we got a dash here, but you know that my my read of uh, history, World War One, World War Two. I'm in the camp now that it really was a a 30 years war with a break in the middle. Um, the Versailles Treaty and everybody stealing all the money from what was left of Germany uh, essentially created, I won't say the person, but it created Nazi Germany. And there's no doubt that the rest of the world was totally complicit with putting somebody in that kind of a bind where 95% of the world's oil was on one side of the table and, and five on the other when they left Versailles. That it, it created the future that we saw. Now, does that absolve, I'm going to say, we, we were absolutely idiots for doing that, we're being a part of that. Does that mean that Hitler was a good guy and he was justified? Hell no. I mean, there, there's, a, there's a split there. It, it, it's, you know what I'm saying? I mean, w- our, our, our the need for revenge yeah. that drove the Treaty of Versailles and caused World War II to happen was something the U.S. tried to avoid in the conclusion of its civil war. Yeah. Um, although it, you know, that spun out of control pretty quickly with the Reconstructions, you know, Republicans yeah. and the Radicals. But, but the idea was once you pursue a policy of revenge, you're just making, you know, future yeah. wars inevitable. So. Oh, we can't rewrite history much as we'd like to. SP Futures up 36, NASDAQ Futures up 220. We're all rich. That part's good, John. Back tomorrow, Stocks and Jacks. PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. CairoMed. 
back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.